Psalm 119, 145. When you are in immediate danger, how do you call for help? Do you take your time starting the story at the beginning of your day? Uh, walking through every detail slowly and meticulously of how you ended up where you are at in such grave danger? Or, or do you joke about the danger you're in, trying to laugh it off, worried about what others might think of you? No, you don't. When you are in immediate danger, if you are trapped in a fire, you call as fast as you can, as loudly as you can, and as seriously as you can. You don't start with, well, when I got home from the grocery store, I set my groceries on the counter and I might have spilt a bit of oil on the oven and, well, here we are. And, you know, I thought I smelt smoke, but uh, who knows? And the cabinet might have fallen on my leg, but hey, hey isn't that funny? Uh, I think I'm a bit trapped here. Anyone? No help? Oh, I guess I'm done for. That's not the tone you would have if you knew the danger you were in. You don't go with a long, drawn-out story. You don't make it funny or light. When you're desperate, you don't waste time or you don't waste breath. Today we're going to look at when prayer is short, sweet, and serious. There is a time for prayer to be short, sweet, and serious. I'm going to read from you Psalm 119, verse 145 in this section here. This is God's word. It says, With my whole heart I cry, answer me. O Lord, I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. Before uh, I rise before dawn and cry for help, I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love, O Lord. According to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law, but you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Prayer, when in danger, is short. It is short. You see there in verse 145 and 146, two very short prayers that you can sense the danger. With my whole heart, I cry, Answer me, O Lord. That's the prayer. Answer me, O Lord. Come, show up. There's lots of details that could be there, and they're not. What's there is the need of God, the desperation for God to do something, to act, to show himself, to make himself known. Answer me, was the prayer. The second one in 146, he says, I call to you, save me. It's short. It's to the point. There is nothing else needed, but that prayer is sufficient for the task at hand. It is sufficient for David to communicate to God, I need you. I need you and no one else. I, I, I can't save myself. You need to save me. There is so much communicated in these few short words. And what you see is a real dependence and, and a trust in who God is. The cry of answer me assumes many, many things. It, it assumes God can hear you when you say that. It, it assumes he, he cares to listen to you. It assumes he can answer you. It assumes much. And the cry, save me, 
again, assumes a lot. Assumes that you are unable to save yourself. It assumes that you need some sort of rescue. It assumes that God is the only one able to do the saving. It says a lot in a few short words. These short words are sufficient. And it reminds me, you know, when you think about short words and short prayers, it reminds me of what um, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask. So when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases. It's not about the word count. The more words you use, the more spiritual words, the more fancy you sound, you think God's going to approve of your prayer more? If that's the case, you have it all wrong. Jesus says, don't heap up empty phrases. You don't need to fill the time. You don't need to pass by and say, wow, I just had a great 15-minute prayer and all I asked for was help. You don't need to do that. There's no need of it. That's why he says, you don't need to do that. Your father already knows your requests. He already knows your needs. The the danger that Jesus pointed out with filling up a time of prayer with empty phrases, he says, they think they will be heard for their many words. There's a danger that when we pray and we want to fill up that time with many words and try to be beautiful and eloquent and all the other things, that we think God will hear this more than a prayer that says, answer me. Or God will answer if I say more than just save me. He says, that's what the Gentiles, that's what unbelievers, that's what people who don't know me believe, is that if you fill up this time with eloquence and words, then God's going to love you better, and he's going to serve you more. That's not the case, and Jesus warns against it. That's why he says, don't heap up those empty phrases. You don't need all the extra words. When you're in danger, you say, help. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2 says, don't be rash with your mouth. Don't let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. You don't need to waste words on God thinking he's impressed. Let your words be few, short, to the point. There's an example of a great prayer like this. There's a father whose child's in need. He comes to Jesus and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. That was his prayer. I believe. Help my unbelief. Five words. His prayer was sufficient that day. So prayer is to be short. There's a time and a season for long prayers, for eloquence, for for beauty, for for describing the, the grandeur of God. But when we are in need, it doesn't need to be long. We can just say, help. Short. But is it just about short? It's also about the content. It should be sweet. It's about a relationship with the one whom you are crying out to. It says in verse uh, 145 there, he says, with my whole heart. With my whole heart, there is a heartfelt cry. The, the, the few words that David says in this prayer uh, are, are heartfelt. They are with his whole heart. It is genuine. It is deep. It's about a relationship. That's why in in Matthew 6, where Jesus said that, where he said, when you pray, don't heap up any phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Look at the reason given. Why you don't need to fill up your time with empty phrases is because you have a Father who knows your needs. 
before you utter a word. Because, you know, why do we think that should we ask anyways? If God knows already, why should we even bother asking? Because if you don't ask, you will miss out on half of the humbling purpose of prayer. That being seeing your need of God, and secondly, giving him the glory that he deserves. Here's the thing. Uh, Many times in a day, I already know what my kids need. I know what they need. I know they need a drink, but I have them ask. Why do I do that? Why would I have them ask? Because in asking, you learn many valuable lessons. You learn patience when I say wait. You learn generosity when I say share. And ultimately, you learn gratitude when you say thank you. If I just give them the drink before they ask, would they learn gratitude? Would they learn to be grateful because they have received something that they have sought someone else for? Likely not in a way that would ever be expressed. If you never had a child ask and have an opportunity to say thank you, they're not going to learn outwardly to express gratitude. So when God gives you what you need before or even without you ever asking, I would argue you are often very ungrateful. I know that about myself. We take for granted what God gives us when we don't ask for it. And we don't thank him for it either. Think about the breath you just took. Think about that. God knew you needed it. You didn't ask for it. He gave it to you and you most likely were not bursting with gratitude because he just gave you a breath and another one and another one because you didn't ask. You weren't desperate. You didn't realize your need. You didn't realize God had to give you that. And so you had to turn to him and say, thank you. When, when he just gives us what we need without us asking, we are ungrateful. We are ungrateful people. We, we don't express it outwardly and we likely do not express it inwardly either. But when you ask and God supplies, your minds are more engaged in that proper relationship with God. That, that you are needing to be humble and dependent, utterly dependent on your God. So then verse 145 says, with your whole heart, you can cry to him. It's deep, it's genuine, it's relational. And look at verse 151. And we know he is near. We know he is near. When we cry to him, when we call to him, we know that he indeed is near. He hears us. He cares for us. He's our father who is near to us. So our prayers are short and sweet. They're not long-winded or heartless, but they're also serious. They're not joking. Pursuing prayer is not an afterthought. Look at verse 147. He says, I rise before dawn and I cry for help. I hope in your words. Verse 148. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. It's It's not an afterthought. It is intentional. It is serious. It's not flippant. He says there in verse 147, I cry for help. It's serious. He realizes his need. He realizes his dependence. He realizes without God, he's doomed. Think about yourself and and your situations and even your own prayer life. And you think, what do I cry to help for? You know, for others, for others' health needs, for my family, for my relationship. Well, if it was all a joke, then what? You don't take it seriously that you you have needs? You don't take it seriously your family has needs? Or 
above all those things that your soul has needs. It's serious when we realize we need God's help. You look again at the Lord's prayer and it begins with reverence. It's not funny. It's not jokey. It's not light. It recognizes the weight, even the dependence on God. John Piper once said something along the lines of, you don't know what prayer is for until you know that life is war. Or the other way, you don't... Once you know that life is war, then you know what prayer is for. When you realize that you are in a battle, and then in the battle you need to cry out to God. Piper in that same, I think it was a sermon or a book, he, he talks about prayer being not an intercom to have some bellboy come and fluff your pillow, but prayer is more of a walkie-talkie in the middle of a war zone saying, I need help now. That's prayer. And when you realize that life is war, you're going to engage in prayer differently. You're going to engage in prayer with short, sweet, and seriousness. You're not going to be flippant in your prayer. It's not going to be a joke. It's going to have weight. When you realize that beyond your need is not just someone's health needs, and it's not just your relationship, and it's not just your work environment, what you need above everything is your soul to be right with God for your heart to be made right with God. You cry out seriously to God, help, I'm drowning, help. I realize that without your help, I'm stuck in this cycle, whether it's addiction or or selfishness or bitterness or whatever it may be, you realize you're stuck without God's help and so you cry out. The, the crazy thing is, even the way we respond or pray about the external things like health issues or family or marriage or, or work relationships, ultimately what it should come to in our prayer is, how is my heart dealing with this? How am I trusting God or not trusting God in this? How am I glorifying God or not glorifying God in this? Realize that life is war. Then you know what prayer is for. Truly, no. So when you realize your soul is at war and you call out to God, help. And if you're a Christian, you know that. You know that's true because the only way you became a Christian is because you realized you were at war with yourself and at sin and you were losing and you would forever lose. And so you cried out to God, help, deliver, save, answer me. And he did. And he's a good God to keep you as well. And so you can do that. When you realize your need, you call out to God and he will save you, he'll forgive you, and he will make you new. But prayer is on the basis of truth. That's why it's serious. It's it's based on a deep understanding of who God is, what he is like, and your true circumstance, your true situation. If you don't really know that you're in that grave a danger, eh, not a big deal. You might ask someone to help you eventually, but you're not that concerned. But when you realize that you are trapped in a fire and there is no way out unless someone else comes to get you, you are going to blow your vocal cords. You realize the weight of your prayer, the weight of your calling out when you realize your spiritual situation. And the Bible does that. The Bible exposes our spiritual situation that we have all sinned and we have all displeased God. And and, and a life in that is death, eternal, separated from God in hell. When you realize the weight of that, you call out in seriousness. But that happens on a daily basis when you're waging war with sin. And you you realize 
if I don't have God's help, I'm going to lose again today. When I'm facing temptation, if I don't call out to God, I'm going to lose again. So when you realize what the Bible teaches you about sin and your sin nature, you call out to him. Short, sweet, and serious. You see, even this, obviously, Psalm 119 saturated every verse with pointing back to the scriptures. But you see that here and how this prayer of David has its basis in truth. In verse 145, it's, it's testimonies that can be kept or broken. It's testimonies that are believed or ignored in 146. It's things that you can hope in. It's things to study, 148. It's God's justice, what is right, what is wrong, and how he will judge that in 149. And it's God's truth in 151. The basis of a prayer ought to be truth, and when it is, then you will be more serious in your prayer. You will seriously pray to God. What's amazing about prayer, as David Mathis says, is it's not a conversation we start, but a response to the God who speaks first. The response to the God who speaks first. In verse 149, David says, Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. O Lord, according to your justice. It's a conversation God already started. God already communicated his steadfast love. He already communicated his justice. And so David says, based on what you've said, God, based on that, hear me, respond to me, change me, make me new. It's not a conversation we start So therefore, we don't start the tone of it either. It's not lighthearted, jokey. It's not, Jesus is my homeboy, and I'm here to just have a chat. When you realize what your circumstance is and how you desperately need God, you'll cry out for help, and he will be near. Verse 151, But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. I hope you see this morning, just from these few short verses together, the value of prayer that is short, sweet, and serious. That God deserves our prayers, not to just be filled up with empty words, but words that are true. Words that are heartfelt from an affectionate heart for God. Here's the thing. Oftentimes I fill up prayers with just a bunch of empty words. And and my heart is not sweet. It's not heartfelt. It's not in a place where, where I am... It, genuinely in love with God. That's why I'm pouring out my heart to him. Uh, we're teaching our kids one of the catechisms and, and the question is, what is prayer? And the answer is, it is pouring out your heart to God. Pouring out your heart to God. And so the question is, are you praying? Are you pouring out your heart to God or are you just saying words? I'm so guilty of that often where I just go through the motions. I just say the words. It's amazing that prayer can be short You realize the Lord's prayer itself was only four sentences, only 50 words long. And that was the example that Jesus left when his disciples said, teach us how to pray. He said, well, here's how to pray. Not necessarily what to pray always, but how to pray. And it was short. It was sweet. It It was heartfelt. It was relational. And it was serious. It was to the needs of a person. It was to the glory of God, to the needs of a person, and to the utter dependence that we have on our great God. So the value of prayers that are short, sweet, and serious increase in our minds when we realize the situation that we are in. And I hope even from this short passage today that you can walk away remembering my prayers don't need to be full of words that are fancy. It doesn't need to be 15 minutes long when I'm praying by by myself or with other people. Yes, some people pray longer prayers or more beautiful words. That does not matter. 
As you've seen here this morning, prayer is effective when it is short, sweet, heartfelt, genuine, and it's based on truth. So it's serious. That's an effective prayer. And so may we be people who desire more effective prayer and not being like the Gentiles who heap up empty phrases, not being like those who do not truly love God, and not being like those who are flippant because they don't know the truth. Let us be people who pray to God's glory. Let's pray to that end. Father, we are so dependent on you. You're a God who made us, you sustain us, you uphold us by the word of your power. And here we are, people who are broken, who've sinned against you, and you've loved us anyways. You've, you've died, so Christ died on our behalf so that we might be forgiven and free. So we thank you for that gift. Thank you that the way to receive it is, is not through some eloquent, long, scripted prayer. Thank you that we can just simply say, save me. I believe, help my unbelief. Thank you, God, that, that you are relational, that you have started this conversation, and then you give us truth in your word so that we know who we're talking to, so that we know the situation of our own hearts and our own lives, and we know that you are a God who is near, who will answer us in truth. So we thank you, God, and we just pray that, that you would help to transform and even make us think about our prayer life and think about um, when we cry out to you, what is that like? And are you getting glory from it? So we thank you for this time together and just pray that you would be honored in Christ's name. Amen. We're just going to close. Uh,